You're listening to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast, your podcast for escaping life's monotony, indulging in your wildest travel fantasies, and discovering the constant beauty of this ever-changing world. On today's episode, we have a couple of special guests joining us to talk about their trip to Hawaii, Australia, and New Zealand. Welcome to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. We are your navigators, Allison and Regan. And today is another Travel Tuesday, so we're really excited to see where our travels take us today. Uh, you don't know yet, but we know, so ha to you. Um, but before we get started here, of course, another just plug for our not-so-new uh, website, www.wanderlustingwives.com. And actually, I was thinking about this as we recorded our last episode. I'm really proud of myself for saying our website correctly consistently because I'm like, Like, I feel like I should have messed it up by now, but I haven't. So anyways, I digress. Um, But yeah, on our website, you can find more information about us, easy links to all of our episodes, and go ahead and get in contact with us. If you have some stories to share uh, that you'd love to share with us on Travel Tuesday, we would love to hear from you. Ellie, anything on your end? Yeah, if you're not following us on social media, I'm still wondering why you're not. So I'm still going to keep telling you what our handles are until you start following us. So Instagram is at Wonderlusting Wives, Facebook, Wonderlusting Wives Podcast, Twitter at Wonderlust Wives. And then you're always welcome to email us if you want to give us more insight onto our, you know, our episodes, or if you want to reach out to us, you can always contact us via email. That's wonderlustingwives at gmail.com. And my newest plug is to give us a review. Five stars, of course, nothing lower than that, please, uh, because this is a five-star podcast. And (laughs) we want uh, five-star reviews from you and share it with a friend. If you love what you're hearing, I'm sure your friends would too. So share it with everyone you know, your grandma, your grandpa, your neighbor, the person you meet in the grocery store. Share it with everyone. We want them to know all that Wonderlusting Wives has to share and they're missing out if they're not listening. So make sure you share our wealth with everyone else. Yeah, totally. I was at, uh, I was with a group of friends the other night and very randomly, one of my friends was like, Regan, you were in my car this morning. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I don't remember this. And they were like, yeah, I was listening to your podcast. And it, so it's just it's really fun when we hear of other people uh, listening to our podcast and kind of following along with us. We're just really grateful that y'all are listening. So uh, yeah, let's get right on into our Travel Tuesday uh, conversation today. And we are ready for the big reveal of what our topic is and who our wonderful guests are. Um, so our guests, I'll start with that. Uh, my parents, Trisha and David Stacy. So they just got back from what I was calling their world tour. Uh, it really wasn't a world tour, but it felt like it because they were gone for six weeks and they were in Hawaii, Australia, and New Zealand. And when you're flying from the East Coast of the United States, that's a pretty big deal. So, of course, they went for six weeks, but it sounds like they had an amazing time, and I'm really excited for uh, you all to hear about it. Uh, So, yeah, welcome, Trisha and David, slash Mama and Daddy. (laughs) So glad to have you guys. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, yeah, I hear that you were in Hawaii first, so I'm kind of wondering if for each location that you were in, you might be able to share with us, like, your top 
thing that you did or like a top story from each. And I'd love to hear from both of you on each of those. So uh, should we start with Hawaii? Let's go in on Hawaii first. Sure. And I'll go first. Um, We went to the big island in Hawaii, which is called Hawaii. And at the city of Kona, if you just do a Google search for night snorkeling with manta rays, you'll find all kinds of companies that will take you out night snorkeling to do that. And finally, uh, David agreed to do this like the day we were there that afternoon. I'd been asking him for months, but he said, okay, I'll do it. So they take you in a boat out into the Pacific to a spot where the manta rays hang out. And I had read that if you go the last boat of the night, there are less boats out. So more mantas come to hang out with you. So we did that the last boat of the night. That's a tip if you want to go. Mantas are attracted, no, excuse me, mantas eat plankton and plankton are attracted to light. So the boat, when they get to the area, shines a light into the water and then they let out all these surfboards with handles on them that are all tethered together and you put on your snorkel and you go into the water and hold on to one of these surfboards. Well, underneath the surfboard, there's also a light that's shining into the water. So when you first put your face into the water with your body flat. You put a pool noodle under your feet so that you will be flat on the water and won't touch a manta ray. When you first put your face in, it's like you're looking and living in a snow globe because all the plankton are just all illuminated by this light. And then you see a manta ray coming. And it just looks like this gigantic gray thing. They are 1500 pounds. They have a 16 foot, they actually call it a wingspan. And they are, they are safe. They're not like stingrays. They are safe, but they tell us not to touch them for their, for their benefit so that they are not harmed. So this thing comes swimming up and then it flips over and comes right underneath the, the surfboard. So that literally if I had stuck my finger out, even like an inch, I would have touched this massive thing. And best, the best part is on the underside, they're white. So when the light hits them, it's like they are glowing. And this huge creature with this huge eye just comes swimming right that close to you. Then it swims away and more came. I stayed in the water probably about an hour and about 50 manta rays, I think, came swimming right up that close to me. It was amazing. At some point, I popped my head out of the water and said, oh, where did everyone go? And where did David go? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why did you tell them what you said, honey, when they asked? Well, I, the uh, one of the operators of the boat asked, is anybody ready to get out? And I was the first one to get out. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. I may have seen maybe 20 of them come over. It was very cool, but it was time for me to get out of the water. So it was great. It was just absolutely fascinating. It sounds like you needed me on the trip. I'm usually the one that gets you out of these scary things. You should have invited me. You wouldn't have had to do the manta rays. But we couldn't invite you, Kelly. <laughs> you see, that was the end of our 43rd anniversary day. Is that an amazing Okay, day? I'll give you a pass this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Such a unique anniversary thing. Too. Such a unique thing, period. I'll start with that. And then such a unique anniversary experience. Like, ugh. That's so cool. I think we talked one time about would we rather go into deep sea or deep space? Man, freaks me out. But there's some beautiful creatures and it sounds like this was an amazing experience. It was. Ah, awesome. 
Daddy, what was your favorite Hawaii experience? Well, on the return from Australia, we went to another Hawaiian island of Oahu. And just so many things to see anywhere you went in Hawaii. But um, one of the most outstanding, of course, was uh, visiting Pearl Harbor. And that was really just very, very moving. We got there about 8 o'clock in the morning after no sleep on a flight. We uh, we spent five hours there, maybe just walking around, uh, looking at all the memorials. We were able to get uh, the boat over to the USS um, Arizona uh, Memorial, which is where that's the big memorial that's there at the park and uh, where that ship was sunk during World War II by the Japanese. And um, one interesting thing that I had forgotten about, I was like doing a little research today about this, but there were only two remaining survivors of that attack. And one of them passed away just that day when we were there. So there's only one remaining uh, serviceman from the Arizona that survived that attack. He's he's the only one left now. Uh, But that was quite a day. It was quite moving to hear something like that and remember that that was quite something. Um, that attack was only a little over an hour long, but over 2,000 servicemen died, and it was like 2,500 servicemen died. And just a very, very moving thing, um, but outstanding. We ended up getting lunch um, and going back and doing a little bit more there. And uh, it was a long day, but boy, that was just fantastic. Pearl Harbor was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And one thing there that I thought was amazingly moving was um, FDR's speech that he was going to give to the nation that he had typed out no teleprompters no speech writers probably and a copy of it or no excuse me the original was there and it had all the pencil markings where he had crossed out and edited and changed the words and moved things around and just reading that letter his speech that he had written which at the very end then war was declared was just like oh my goodness it just made it so much more than just learning about that in a classroom. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I think that's one of my favorite things about traveling is actually going to these different sites and just thinking like, what was it like to be in that moment? I know when I went to Normandy, when was standing on the beaches there, it just like gives you chills to think of the history that happened there and all the lives that were lost there as well. You can stand there and look out over the area where all of this occurred. You, you can't even imagine. You just can't imagine what the people that were living up on the hillside were seeing that day. And uh, just something, absolutely something. And one thing they said was uh, radar was rudimentary then, but there were two radar operators there this mor- that morning, and they saw all these blips coming on, and they told their superior officer that something was coming in and the superior officer said, there are planes from the United States scheduled to get here at eight o'clock, which is exactly when the planes came from Japan. Yeah, that was like, oh my goodness. That's something that would never happen today because that was just not as reliable as it is today. I think that's especially moving, like talking about history being uh like a great motivator for travel too. Like Pearl Harbor is something that we learn about in our history books, but it's it's a site to actually go that's not like Gettysburg where it's like basically right in our backyards. Like Pearl Harbor is much more inaccessible, like much less accessible to us. So to like 
have all of that kind of culminate in being able to stand there and like honor the people who were a part of like yeah like you said it it sounds like chilling that's wow incredible all right. Well, Hawaii's off to this off to a great start. Hawaii sounds like it was amazing. <laughs> so I guess we should move west to Australia. What have you got there? Well, on our second day in Sydney, we were staying at an Airbnb just in a really trendy, adorable little neighborhood, and we were going to walk to dinner. We had about a mile walk. We were just going to walk through this quaint neighborhood, and it was dusk. So we're walking down the street and all of a sudden I look up and say, David, why is there a massive bird of prey coming right at us? And as we watched, this this huge creature flew right above us and had bat wings, but it was massive. And then as we walked and continued to walk in the dusk, they were all over the skies as we walked above us. I could not wait to get to somewhere so I could look up what were these creatures. So I did. They're called flying foxes. And I told how big they were, but I thought, no, no, no. Here in Western New York, I know how big our bats are. So I need to know how big that is in relation because the flying fox is in the bat family. Where our bats here weigh half an ounce and are five inch wingspan. These are like 115 times bigger because they are three and a half pounds. Their body is this massive furry thing and their wingspan is four feet. So up until that point, it was like, Australia is really great. The people here are so nice, but you know, they speak English. Everything is very familiar. And as soon as I saw these flying foxes overhead, I'm like, yeah, we're not in Kansas anymore. This was a a (laughs) new place where we were, but I thought they were fascinating. And coincidentally, like a day or two later, uh, David got a message from a coworker that said, Hey, I know read about this place at the Royal Botanic Garden in, in gardens in Sydney, if you go at dusk, all the flying foxes come flying out all at once out of their trees. And I'm like, oh, totally have to do that. Now, Regan, we had done, um, gone in Austin, Texas to the bridge under which like thousands of bats come out at dusk. So we did that, thought we got to do this, but found out that the um, flying foxes had been inadvertently killing the trees in the Royal Botanic Garden. And that's a no-no in Royal Botanic Gardens. So they moved the the population into other places. So we didn't get to see them all fly out at once, but boy, we saw a lot of them flying overhead. It was like being in a horror horror movie, which I hate, but this was amazing. That's almost as tall as me. Like that's almost as tall as you and me, mama. Like what? Also, I looked up a picture and I'm kind of conflicted because they are kind of cute and also horror movies. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I don't know. Do they at least stay in the sky? That's what I'm concerned about. Did you see any close to the ground? (laughs) None of them landed on my head of which I was aware. Okay, good. That's good. (laughs) So they, they get their distance and they leave you alone. Okay. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a unique experience. I will say that. Here in Western New York, bats come really low. And and Mm -hmm. these were low. They just weren't on our head. That's good. 
see the shadow come through and you think it's a dragon. My God. <laughs> like we're in Hogwarts. Ooh. Yeah. Well, in Sydney, again, um, of course, being a music person, the Sydney Opera House is that iconic building that anytime you see like the fireworks on New Year's Eve coming off of the Sydney Harbor Bridge, they also pan over to the Sydney Opera House. And if you see a picture of Sydney or Australia, there's the Sydney Opera House. It looks like a bunch of, of sails um, uh, on a boat, um, some geometric thing that has been had been designed. It's got a great backstory to the design and the construction of the thing. But uh, we were able to score tickets to go to the Sydney Opera House, and which is home to not only the Sydney Opera, but also the um, Sydney Symphony Orchestra. And being a musician, you know, we, we were able to get these seats. But in this Opera House, the seats wrap all the way around the orchestra. They got the gigantic section for the front of the house, but it goes around the sides and around the back. Well, we got the seats on the right side of the orchestra sitting right above the French horn section and the timpani player and at bird's eye view of the conductor. And for me, who conducts a lot of different things, that was a real treat to be able to do that. And Packed House, uh, the concert was fantastic. They had a cellist that played uh, a piece from, uh, do you remember Yugoslavia maybe? Uh, I don't remember from where. Anyways, um, it was that was fantastic. I mean, for, and again, for a musician to be able to go there and see that and, and experience that. Wow. Yeah. That'll, that burns inside me. That was a great one. Allison, guess what color all of the seats were and the seat backs and all of the, the acoustic panels all hung from the ceiling. Guess what color? Blue. No. Bright, bright pink. Pinky purple, like wow airlines when they went defunct, sent all their, you know, pieces of airplane to hang up and make it the uniforms to make into seats. The entire thing is just bright pink. That was that was really fun too. Wow. Oh, that's a, a cool surprise. Silence for wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. RIP. Yeah. So sad. Oh. Well, I'm glad the wow planes went to good use at the Sydney Opera House. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, that sounds like everything that I would ever want for you, daddy. <laughs> like just having grown up knowing you as like this, like you're the maestro. Everybody refers to you as the maestro. That just sounds like the perfect David Stacy day, you know? It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> amazing. All right, so I guess we have one more destination then, and that would be New Zealand, because if you're in Australia, why not? Uh, so let's head there. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And the best part, they have podcasts. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. You can even find us there. I started using it as my default podcast app. They even have a digital radio. 
Download and use Newsly for free now at www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code WIBES. That's W-I-B-E-S. And you can get a one-month free premium subscription. You can find all this information in our description from this episode. And now back to our episode. Well, we took a cruise to New Zealand, and the first thing we saw was Fiordlands National Park, which to go through that by boat is obviously the thing to do, and it was spectacular. Spent nine hours up on, like, the top deck just looking at the beauty. But once we got to the different cities we stopped, we went to Wellington, which, oh, people who do trivia, it's the southernmost capital in the world. So file that away for trivia purposes. It's the capital of New Zealand and their national museum, the Te Papa Museum, is there. And uh, an acquaintance of mine who had lived in New Zealand for a while said, make sure you go there. So we were planning to go another place as well that day, but started out at the Te Papa. And I asked the woman at the ticket booth, where would you suggest we go if we only are going to be here like, you know, a couple hours and um, she said, well, first go to the Gallipoli exhibit. So we did. Now, I had heard of Gallipoli before, but didn't really, couldn't really tell you much about it. It was a battle during World War I, and the New Zealand and Australian armies were a big, big force there that day. They thought, along with the other allies, that the Turks were going to be easy to conquer, and they were not. Almost 3,000 New Zealanders were killed that day. And that is now theirs and Australia's like Memorial Day. It's called Anzac Day, which stands for Australia, New Zealand Army Corps. So in the history of New Zealand and Australia, the biggest day. Well, the exhibit you walk into and there's this massive sculpture. They are two and a half times the size of humans. And it was of a soldier. What they've done in this exhibit is it's groundbreaking. They've taken the lives of eight just ordinary New Zealanders who served at Gallipoli in some capacity. Some some lived, some gave their life at some point. But they tell the story through the eyes of these eight just ordinary New Zealanders. And it starts with one of these huge sculptures, which I was mesmerized by. I don't know who the artists were that did this, but it was incredible. You felt your just your heart being torn out just looking at these, these statues. You could see the sweat on their brows. You could see the hair on their arms and hands. You could see the pain or anguish in their faces. You could It looked like absolutely the same material that would have been made into the regular uniforms. The way they were posed, It was unbelievable. I was hooked from the moment I walked in there. We spent so long, I don't know, maybe an hour in there looking at all the, some of the stories of some of the people. um, The one man was serving that day. He took a bullet to the arm. He had ended up having his arm amputated, went to to, uh, recover in England, but then it had a desk job, but then grew gladly went to France and continued training troops there and also learned to paint. He was an artist and he would paint with his left hand scenes from where the battles were taking place. There was one of a young man who uh, got pneumonia. So he left 
the service to recuperate, but they brought him back before he was well. So he was on night guard duty and fell asleep. And that's punishable by death. So he was court-martialed. He was going to put, put to death. And they changed it at the last minute to just imprison him. And when he got out of prison, like within days, he was, he was killed in battle. Uh, another one was of a woman. She was a nun and a nurse. These are all people from New Zealand. And she volunteered to do this because she wanted to be near her brother who had enlisted. So she was trying to get on board a ship to, to do medical work there to try to follow him around, but completely lost any contact with him. And months later, got a letter returned that she had sent to him that said, killed. And just the statue of her reading that letter, you just felt like she was right. It was unbelievable. This I've never seen a museum with any kind of a um, area like that at all. It was groundbreaking. It was an incredible way to tell that story. And then in between each of these statues, there'd be um, things to read and um, multi-audio kind of things to, to do. And it was incredible. Well, we ended up spent all of the Te Papa was so amazing. We ended up spending the entire day there. That's how hmm. great it was. Mm -hmm. oh, that sounds incredible. And it also sounds like something that like, I'm listening to you talk about it and you're such a good storyteller. So like I'm getting like the emotional piece of that, but like, I feel like it's something that you have to experience for yourself too. Like this is making me want to go and like experience it for myself and just be in the presence of such creativity, but also like such brilliant um, honoring of these people's lives. Which That's is like what it was. incredible. And I'm glad to find out about Australians and New Zealands and their part in World War II. Some Australians that I talked to said, oh, we've been to Pearl Harbor three times. I'm like, why? Why would you go to Pearl Harbor three times? You're from Australia. And they said, you have no idea how important that was to us. Found out at the Pearl Harbor Museum then, too, that up until the day before December 7th, the Japanese were in talks with FDR to keep the peace. This had been planned forever that they wanted to get rid of the Americans because the Americans had moved their fleet from California to Hawaii. And Japan was planning to the very next day start taking over the entire South Pacific. So the Australians said their northern central Australia in the north, the city of Darwin was bombed by the Japanese. And they said the Japanese got submarines into Sydney Harbor. They said, you have no idea how important Pearl Harbor was for us. If the Americans had not been able to step in and help us, their lives would have been completely different. Yeah, wow. really true. So, you know, we have my travel agent um, frequently designs these trips for that contain a lot of history. So, you know, she likes to, she, oops, I gave it away, Trishy's travel. Um, she, she just dives into the history of things and it makes it so interesting to travel without learning the history of where you're going and learning the people. Um, they're trying to learn the people. That's just, that would be tragic to just go and say, oh, there's that and walk away. You know, I, I think a lot of people do stuff like that. So yeah, my travel agent makes sure that we get into the heart of the place. So, and it's really good. It's really good. So we cruised up the east 
side of the Southern Island on our way to Wellington. And one of our stops was at um, Christ Church. What was the name of that port? I don't know. Christ Church. Anyways, um, a really neat little city. And uh, one of the cool things there was the International Antarctic Museum. And why in New Zealand? Well, it's pretty darn close to the Antarctic. But uh, we were able to do some really cool things involving the Antarctic. Um, there was a map with, with uh, cams on it that you could look at all the bases the various countries in the world have created on the Antarctic for research. And the United States, of course, has many. Um, there are a couple of other countries that would probably like to own all of Antarctica. But anyways, this was... Um, this was really a, a cool museum. We got to ride in a vehicle called, I, I'm going to write it down, a Haglund vehicle um, that was designed and created in Sweden. And it's for traversing the ridiculously um, uneven and crevices and all this other stuff of Antarctica. It's an enclosed thing. And it feels like you're riding down. Now, both of you girls know what the worst roads in Medina would feel right, right? driving down them. Yeah. Now say you're going down them and you're just bouncing all over the place. That's what it was times 10. And it was loud in there. They made you wear headphones. It was so loud in there. Um, but that was very cool. And it took you through an obstacle course and it showed you what the vehicle is capable of doing, which is unbelievable. It could climb and, and go over uh, gullies and ditches and crevasses and all kinds of things. In this crazy weather, there was a, a simulation room of what a storm in the Antarctic would be like. Now in Western New York, we're kind of used to the temperature of 17 degrees, but when the wind chill kicks up to 30, 35, and it gets down to minus one with the wind chill and stuff like that, and you're in this little room and the wind is flying around, but they're simulating what a storm would feel like down there. And uh, we got to see some, they're called little blue penguins I think there's just a bunch of them wandering around there, rescues, but that was very cool to see. Um, just a, a lot of very interesting things. I never would have expected to have a, a, a museum for that, but there it was. And it's an international museum nonetheless. So that's based there. And it, that's a very cool place to go to as well. That was about a, a good bus ride and a half day away from where we, we trained in, I think, didn't we? I don't even remember. So much ran together. Well, so. you were gone for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, but we did. But that was that. We you, finding six things, three between each of us here, of the things that we did. I just said to Mama, I can't, I can't even do it. Everything, everything we did, right down to the silliest things, was just so much fun and amazing to go explore a whole new, whole new part of the world. Very neat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's literally the opposite side of the world. I don't know how the whole international dateline thing works. I was very confused the whole time you were gone. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's just like, I feel like this could be a two-hour episode. <laughs> so it's like, I'm so I'm so grateful that you guys uh, kind of picked some really, really great highlights. Um, Ellie, you ready to pack your bags? Always. I'm always ready to pack my bags. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we haven't said that in a while. It felt about time. Um, well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your adventures and everything. This was so great. Uh, like we said, we're ready to pack our bags, and I bet our listeners are too. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. Come escape with us again every other Tuesday for Travel Tuesdays and every other Wednesday for Wildcard Wednesdays. Don't forget to give us a subscribe and a follow on all of our social media and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, wander on.